At the start of a new year, there is a lot of excitement and energy around setting goals. What about now? What if you are off track for the goals you set in January? Are you supposed to wait until next year to reset? What if you keep setting goals but not achieving your goals? What is the difference between goal setters and goal achievers? These questions inspired me to create the Elite Achievement Goal Setting Series. I'm launching this series this summer. If you want to be one of the first to know when this series launches, head over to my website, kristenburke.com, and sign up to receive my breakout plan. I'll be sharing updates and details later this quarter. Hey, Goal Achievers. Welcome to the Elite Achievement Community. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach, here to demystify the goal achievement process. If you are ambitious and visionary, then let's get to work so you can maximize your potential. Hey, Goal Achievers. Welcome back to Elite Achievement. I have a lot in common with today's guest. We are both mamas married, and spent our careers in the financial industry. In fact, our paths crossed because of a mutual friend in the industry. I'm so grateful she reached out to me via LinkedIn and we scheduled a connection call. Today's guest, Arielle Bitoni, is a certified financial planner and chartered financial analyst. She worked at large investment firms and learned from the constant adrenaline rush with little downtime that having the right people around is key to succeeding as a wife, mother, and professional. She became a financial advisor to be that right person to her clients, but was disappointed to learn that the industry has greatly underserved women. Ariel was done compromising and did not want to conform to a competitive culture focused on material success. So she decided to do things differently. Ariel acted courageously, decided to go out on her own and join another solopreneur. Join me as we discuss her journey, how she is serving clients today, and the lessons she learned working in a male-dominated industry. Welcome, Ariel. Thank you, Kristen. I'm really excited to be here with you today. I'm so excited to have you and to hear your story and allow you to share your passion for serving women and financial education. So tell us more about your firm, Refresh Investments. Absolutely. Refresh Investments is a registered investment advisor, and we're located in Santa Monica, California. We're a fee-only and independent wealth practice and we provide comprehensive investment management and financial planning services. And just to uh, clarify what fee only means, it is that we are compensated only by our clients directly. So we don't take any commissions and we have no incentive agreements with other companies. So for our listeners who might not be familiar with an RIA, what is a registered investment advisor and how does it differ from other financial firms? That is a really good question. And I'll start by saying that the financial industry, as I'm sure you can relate, is full of a lot of lingo and jargon that is incredibly confusing. Yes, (laughs) very. (laughs) Right? An RIA is like the acronym for Registered Investment Advisor, manages assets for individual and also institutional investors. 
So what separates them out is that they have a fiduciary duty to their clients. And so what this means is that I have an obligation to always act in the best financial interest of my clients and put them ahead of my own. So to compare a non-RAA advisor, which could be somebody that is a broker, is only held to a suitability standard. And that means that they can provide financial advice that is suitable for their clients' needs. But it means that they can also earn themselves a commission or earn fees for providing that advice. Additionally, RIAs must also register with the state regulators, the Security and Exchange Commission, the SEC, and they can also be researched online. So customers can see if there have been any complaints filed against them. And the last point that I'll bring up is that RIAs generally provide more than just investment advice. They can provide advice on a range of topics, which can include retirement planning, insurance planning, and also estate planning. Given that RIAs are highly regulated, I am guessing this was a difficult or time-consuming journey to join another solopreneur and become a part of Refresh Investments. So what inspired you to go out on your own and join another solopreneur? So I will start by saying that I never in my life would have predicted that I would be an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, tell us more. (laughs) So I began to feel stuck, which I think a lot of people can relate to in my career. I felt that I was at a crossroads. And what I decided to do was join a coaching program, which was new for me. And it was absolutely amazing and the best thing that I did for myself. And this program was specifically tailored to coach female financial advisors who want to create a more female-friendly wealth practice. So it couldn't get more specific than that. And through this program, which was a lot of individual one-on-one with the coach and then also group-style coaching, we developed a community. And so it caused me to do a lot of introspection and also vision exercises that I had never done before. And what it made me realize was, is that I do have a lot of knowledge and a lot to give. And I also started feeling that it was my responsibility to give back to my community, especially to other professional women. And also at that same time that I was going through this coaching program, I started becoming more involved in my community and taking on more leadership roles. I stepped up and became the co-chair of the Women's Community Group for the CFA Society of Los Angeles. And I also joined the leadership team of the Elevate Network of the Los Angeles chapter. So between all of these activities, I suddenly, I started feeling like this was the right thing to do and I needed to branch out on my own. As you were learning more about yourself through coaching, and gaining clarity on your why, your greater purpose to give back and serve the community. How did your connection to your vision keep you inspired becoming an entrepreneur? Well, it was definitely a process and it had me start to explore where I actually wanted to be. So a big question for me was, what did I want my environment to look like? And that was another question I had never asked myself before. 
And so I started exploring other firms, other places where I could see myself, where I could not see myself. I went on a journey of trying to figure out where I wanted to be and where I could see myself for the long haul. I can absolutely relate to your story. And as I mentioned in the opening, we both came from the financial industry. And there was a lot of my career, Ariel, where I didn't realize, almost like I had blinders on because I didn't know I grew up in the industry. I didn't know that there were other ways to do business. I thought everything had to be about competition and let's do more. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for an opportunity I had to be in a women's leadership program, which was one of the first times I was in a group of all women in the financial services industry. And that experience completely opened my mind. And because of that, I became a better coach. I became a better professional. And then I ultimately got a lot of clarity in my own life. Just like you said, what do I want my day to look like? I don't want to get up at 5 a.m. anymore. And I'm going to be really successful, but not get up at 5 a.m. and be the first one in the office. And there are going to be some days I'm going to be in yoga pants and I'm going to build a huge business wearing my yoga pants. And so I completely relate to taking that time and pausing and asking yourself, what do you want? What do you want your life to look like? And what's going to serve you professionally? Exactly. You are spot on. So I'm guessing there were some challenges as you joined Refresh Investments. Help us understand more about that journey of becoming a solopreneur. Absolutely. I met my business partner, Pamela Chen, a few years ago. She's also a member of the Los Angeles CFA Society. And so that's our connection. She started Refresh Investments on her own. And when her and I reconnected, I was really impressed when she was telling me about it. She continued to share with me that she was looking for a business partner. This was in the midst of my exploration and figuring out where I wanted to take my next move. She wanted somebody to help her expand the services of the firm. And this is a bit cliche, but the rest is history. (laughs) I think it's the universe aligning. It was that intuition. Right. You got clear, you got that clarity, and then the intuition and the universe came together and the rest is history, like you said. Exactly, exactly. As you and Pamela joined forces to grow Refresh Investments, you were committed to creating an environment where clients become more connected and in control of their financial life. What steps can someone take to be more in control of their financial life? The first thing that I would say is to begin with what we call a foundation. And that's where you spend time defining what your core values are. So it would be answering the question, what's most important to you? Once you've done that, then you can start to focus on what we call your purpose. So what purposes do you want to use your wealth for? So for example, if you said that your core value is taking care of family, a purpose could be providing education for your children. Then ask yourself, Do these purposes fulfill the foundational value that you just defined? If you're unsure or the answer is no, well, then we should question why would you be putting your money there? Once you've clarified what your purposes are, the next thing to focus on is prioritizing them. And this can be done on a rating scale, an important scale, 
What's an absolute yes, I do want to do this? And what's something that's more of a negotiable? And the final piece is getting really clear and specifying what your financial goals are for each of those purposes. And what Pam and I have found at Refresh is by creating this foundation piece first, rather than jumping straight to what financial goals are that clients are focused on, this really creates a more meaningful experience. And in the end, we see that our clients are more committed to seeing those goals through. I find a similar process is really helpful when I help my clients achieve their goals. If we're lacking that clarity, if we go straight to, okay, what's the goal? And then what are the strategies? What do we need to do to achieve it? It's sometimes easier to give up on that goal because we don't have that clear why backing up why we want to achieve that goal and why it's important to us. And so the foundation is fundamental and it's sounding like it's fundamental in both goal achievement and financial planning. And then Arielle, I think it's brilliant how you bring up the importance of values because if we allow ourselves the time to get clear on what our values are, We're going to make better decisions for our life, for our financial future, for our career. But it can be so tempting to make decisions in alignment with other people's values. So Arielle, what are some thought-provoking questions that you like to ask to help people get clear on their values? Yes, Kristen. So we definitely like to have our clients dig deep when they're beginning to think about this foundational piece because it really helps us get to know them, which is key when we start building strategies and putting together their financial plan and investment strategy. And so the questions that we like to ask are broad and open-ended, general in nature, but we ask them to write it down. And that's one thing that I have found When somebody writes it down, it becomes real and they need to think a lot more when they're putting it down on paper or in our Google form. (laughs) An example of the questions are, what does your financial life look like 10 years from now? And to specifically describe to us professionally, personally, what are all the pieces? What is your lifestyle like? What does your income look like? Another question asks about their investment philosophy. And this is important because we want to understand what their relationship to money is, because everyone's relationship is different and everyone has their own philosophy. And that's also really important for us to know and understand with our clients. And the last piece is something that's more of a vision exercise. And if we take money out of the equation, what do clients see themselves doing with their day? And this is where a lot of different values will come out because a lot of concerns are tied to money. And if we don't have that concern anymore, it allows our clients to dream. You had me at vision. I do a lot of work with my clients on visioning. And I found that it can be challenging for women to dream really big. And one of my favorite questions that I use to help people when visioning is what legacy are you creating? And if you stop thinking about a particular role or a particular amount of money and you start thinking about impact and legacy, I find that that really helps women open up 
and they start pouring out their dreams and desires from their heart. And it's a really incredible experience when you give someone that space to dream. I'm guessing having a conversation with a financial professional can be a little nerve-wracking for some people. What do you think hinders people from sitting down with a financial professional? (laughs) Well, everybody should, but I understand why they don't. I think that trust is a major factor. It's a really big deal for someone to get what we call financially naked in front of someone else that they just met. And then to think about handing them their life savings to manage for them. It's something that Pam and I don't take lightly and we don't think that clients should take lightly either. Another factor that I think can be intimidating is knowing what questions to ask a financial advisor. And it's really important to ask questions when you are meeting one, when you are interviewing one, and you shouldn't be afraid to ask about their credentials, their experience, how long they've been doing their job, and very importantly, how do they get paid? You should also find out what type of clients they serve and ask them, what's their approach? What's their philosophy? I think that's really helpful. And it aligns with a lot of the work that I do when I'm meeting a potential new client for coaching. Much like you said, your clients get financially naked with you very early. And the same can be somewhat true with coaching. There's a lot of topics that come up and things that you haven't wanted to admit. And now you're going to start sharing these dreams, hopes, and desires with another person. And I always find it to be magical when at some point in a coaching relationship, it just clicks and I get the real person. And it's crazy because it could be two coaching sessions. It could be six coaching sessions. And all of a sudden, once it clicks, you can achieve really big goals together. And I'm sure the same is for you and Pam and the work that you do with your clients. Exactly. I'm sure at this point in your career, you've seen a lot of people make some mistakes financially. What are some mistakes people should avoid when it comes to their finances? A big one is when people think they have time to figure it out. And time is one, if not the most valuable thing that we have. The earlier that you can start saving for your future and planning ahead is only going to better prepare you for financial independence and security down the road. And I think that what we've all been living through the past year has taught us how important that is. Absolutely. We live in a I'm so busy culture right now. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I don't have time to think about that. And that excuse... And some people really do have super busy lives where they have a lot of responsibility. But in general, a lot of us go to that because it is an easy excuse. And I have found in my work coaching, Ariel, that a lot of times that excuse comes up because there's fear. There's fear that starts to surface. In your world, it could be fear around what you have or haven't done financially, fear or embarrassment around the choices that you've made, comparison, keeping up with the Joneses. All of these beliefs start to come out and some people don't want to confront them. You are correct, Kristen. (laughs) So what I'm hearing you say is that having a conversation 
with a trusted professional is incredibly important and empowering. And that if people can start to understand and recognize you're not judging, you're here to help people get clear on where they're at, where they want to go, and build a plan so they can make that happen. Yes. And we're really lucky today that there are so many types of financial advisors out there. It's not like it was 20 years ago where you only had a few different options. There's basically a financial advisor for everybody out there today. No matter where they're at in their lives, there's somebody who's there who's a good fit. The challenge might be finding that person. But again, with the internet, with search engines, you have all of it at your fingertips. You know, it may just take a little bit of time researching to find that right person. That's awesome. That's encouraging. I have a question on my mind and I want to go here because you and I both grew our careers in the male-dominated finance industry. And Ariel, I'm very fortunate to coach a lot of women that are still growing their careers in the financial services industry. What have you learned about being a woman in a male-dominated industry? (laughs) So over the 20 years that I've been in the industry, there have definitely been a lot of lessons along the way. The bottom line is that I learned and want to share with others that being different and being the only woman in the group, if you are the only woman, is not a bad thing. Yes. Women need to trust their gut, stay true and authentic to themselves, and don't apologize. I know that women tend to, we say, oh, I'm sorry, but we don't need to do that. I agree so much. I remember when my daughter Scarlett, who's now seven, was younger, maybe four, five years old. She was riding her scooter and bumped into the wall. And I said, hey, Scarlett, let's make sure we're not bumping into a wall. Okay, I'm sorry. And that was such an eye-opening moment for me. I thought, are you really sorry? That's not necessarily something you need to be apologizing for. So even at such a young age... She's apologizing for things that are learning opportunities, awareness opportunities, not necessarily things to be sorry for. I think we carry that with us when we go to work. As I reflect back on my career, I felt like I had to show up as that direct, competitive person to fit in into this male-dominated industry. And I think what's hard, or at least what was hard for me, is I always got conflicting feedback. Early in my career, I got feedback that I was too positive. You can't possibly be real because you're too positive. And then later in my career, I got the feedback that I'm not being real. I'm not being authentic, probably because I had overcorrected and I was trying to not be too positive to fit in. So do you have any advice or any insight for other women who want to be more authentic? How can we be more authentic? That is challenging. It is so challenging, (laughs) right? We might not have it all figured out. I know. And I think that it all needs to begin with women supporting other women. It's no secret at all that there just aren't enough women in the financial industry. And I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg here. There isn't enough diversity in the industry. There isn't enough perspectives. And that's such a huge problem. I mean, when you look at the pool of financial professionals out there, 
it doesn't mirror our society at all. So even with this big discrepancy, we're not seeing the percentage of women entering the financial industry increase. It's staying static. And I'm thinking a couple of things could be contributing to this. And this is my belief. This is not based on research, but I've had a lot of conversations with women in the industry to help me form this belief. I think a lot of times what we perceive a financial advisor to do isn't exactly what the job entails. When I thought about being a financial advisor, I'm like, no way. It's way too numbers focused when in reality, it's incredibly relational. It's about asking insightful, thought-provoking questions, building deep relationships, having others' best interest at heart, and then being able to put all of these pieces together and build a plan and be influential to get people to take action. So I think one challenge, Ariel, is that the way we perceive the role might be different than the way the role is actually in day-to-day life. I think that's definitely true. And I think another piece is, and maybe this isn't widely known or widely understood, women are great at being financial advisors. And there's a huge demand for women It's a great career. And I think that maybe it's, like you said, Kristen, maybe it's these barriers where they don't feel that the industry is friendly. It's the environment. But like I said, women need to support other women. And the more women that we can see in positions will encourage younger women who are starting out their careers to join. And I think that's a big, big piece where we need to focus is on the age group of women who are deciding which career to go into. You bring up a great point around the support. And even if a woman joins a firm or a company and there aren't a lot of other women, there are so many resources out there. You mentioned earlier Elevate. And thanks to you, I've now joined Elevate. And I am in this incredible squad that is helping me think differently. And I'm meeting other women. There are support groups out there There are other thought leaders in this industry that women can follow. I know when I always didn't have the mentors that I could connect with, I sought out that mentorship from other podcasts, from other books, from other women in different companies, different industries. If you're intentional, you can really find that support that you need to thrive in the financial advising career or the financial services industry. Yes. And it's only growing, Kristen. I mean, there's a lot of women initiatives that are blossoming and gaining a lot of popularity. Another element that might be a hindrance to more women looking at this career is juggling being a wife, being a mama, being a professional, doing all the things. And I know you have two young boys under the age of 10. Max is seven going on eight. And Leo is going to be starting kindergarten this fall. So your hands are certainly full. How do you define success as a mom, as a wife, and a business owner? It's definitely changed over the years. And I'd have to say what's most important to me now is making a lasting impact. When I think about my kids, because I have boys, not girls, I really want them to see what I'm doing with my career. I want them to be inspired by the decisions that I've made and the career path that I've taken, that it was done with a lot of hard work, perseverance, but importantly, also a lot of passion. I feel that not giving up is a really difficult thing to master. 
And it's something that I'm constantly working on. I always want to improve my skills and learn to be better. And I hope that when they see me, that's something that they absorb and that they can take that on in terms of their own work ethic. And when they think about their own careers and their drive and what's important to them. I mean, they have two parents who are entrepreneurs. My husband built his business as well. So between the two of us, we really hope that we're teaching them a lot. Well, I am not in your day-to-day life, but as a fellow mama and a fellow entrepreneur, I can say that I'm sure you are teaching them a ton. There are these little nuances that they're starting to pick up and watch and see Mama build in her empire, which is incredibly, incredibly impactful. And speaking of what you're building, what goals are you focused on achieving this year? Yeah, so the pandemic was something that was completely unforeseen. And a goal for us this year is to really make sure that our clients are even better prepared when we all start re-engaging in the world. I feel we've learned so much over this past year. And a really big takeaway for me personally is being proactive, having a plan, feeling secure is priceless. This has been such an insightful conversation around how inviting connecting with a financial professional can be. And I think it was really incredible how you helped us understand values and vision, how they not only helped you join Refresh Investments and find a career where you're able to work with dynamic women and families and not compromise who you are, but how they're also so critical and foundational to building out a financial plan. So Ariel, if our audience is inspired and wants to connect with you after listening to this episode, where can they find you? Absolutely, Kristen. So you can find us at our website. It is refreshinvest.com. I am also on LinkedIn, so people can connect with me there. Well, I don't know if our audience picked up on this little nuance, but I want to point it out again about the power of networking. You and I had this conversation today and are building such an incredibly supportive relationship because you courageously reached out to me on LinkedIn. And I'm like, heck yes, let's have a conversation. And then you inspired me to join Elevate, which is this incredible network of like-minded, professional, inspiring, ambitious women. And then you even found your current business partner, Pam, through, was it the CFA, the uh, society? Exactly. It was through the Women's Community Group. Women's Community Group. I am now the chair of. Exactly. And it's hugely powerful. And I am so thankful and grateful for it. And even though at the time when you're networking, you're not sure what's going to become of this connection that you've just made. And maybe it's six months down the road. Maybe it's a year down the road. I mean, it was a few years after Pam and I had met that we decided to combine our practices and build a firm focused on serving women. It's amazing. And that's something that I definitely do stress the importance of. If I could tell my younger self how important it is, I would call her up right now and tell her, 
networking is really valuable, as equally as valuable as your education. This serves as a reminder to our audience to courageously meet the people that are inspiring you, that interest you, get super curious and get out of your comfort zone because you never know where that will take you. I appreciate your time today so very much. Thank you for coming on the show today, Ariel. Thank you so much, Christian. It's been super fun. With that goal achievers, keep focusing on your weekly wins, noting your lessons learned, and prioritizing your action items in the direction of your goals so you can achieve a breakout performance. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are feeling inspired and want to join the Goal Achievers community, visit my website to sign up and get connected. We can also connect socially on Instagram. Follow me at Meet Kristen Burke. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, Goal Achievers, keep progressing towards your goals and celebrate those weekly wins.